0: guests on a wide range of topics in order to get down to the heart of the problems facing our world and understand why things happen and how to change the world and ourselves for the better. Want to learn more tips and tricks to living a healthy lifestyle? Visit us at Clint Davis counseling and integrative wellness on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to meet our staff or book a speaker, go to clindaviscounseling.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe today. Trey McGuire episode three. Yes, sir. Glad You're to right. have you, man. Glad to be here. Thank you yeah. so much. So you're a good friend of mine. Uh, For those that don't know, Trey McGuire runs the Every Warrior Network. So we're here to talk about a little bit of that. So tell me a little bit about Every Warrior Network, what you're doing there, and what that is here in Shreveport-Mosier.
1: Man, we are a charity uh, supporting our local military. And I like to say that we are a local charity that has a global reach. Now that a lot of our warriors that we began serving five years ago when we started have PCS'd uh, to all sides of the world, Um, we now have a global reach so uh, ev- we do everything we can to love care for take care of meet the needs of our service members whatever that might be a lot of people ask us what we do and especially if it's of a service member our answer is what do you need right and if um, that can go from anything from counseling to I need to fly home or I need this or whatever so the sky's the limit really and truly and we, we ex- assess and work with them see if there's a need meet it build a relationship with them and then with the goal being to help them use their life experience to go out there and change the world.
0: That's awesome. And you've been here in Treeport and Bossier the whole time?
1: Yes, we have. We started five years ago, Um, five and a half now. So um, I've lived here my entire life. Uh, Used to work for a church down south of the base. Um, Here around Treeport, Bossier, we have Barksdale Air Force Base. Um, So we're really heavy in Air Force because it's what we have here. Um, Over 7,000 airmen um, in this area. Uh, not to mention all the retirees and veterans and all of that who helped love and support us. So um, I really and truly had a passion to do something for service members. that um, was really kind of outside the um, spectrum of the local church. So um, we really jumped out there. And long story, sh- very long story short, uh, November 23rd of 2014, we decided to do our first Warriors Thanksgiving feast, which was a Thanksgiving dinner for service members, and uh, we had no, no money, no nothing. We had no organization. Uh, that night, we served Thanksgiving dinner to about 220 service members. It was a phenomenal night, and that night is where we actually kind of looked at each other, kind of our leaders looked at each other, and were like, what would it look like if we did this all the time? So um, fast forward to May 1st, we incorporated as a charity, and um, then it was the Warrior Network, Um, but we decided here recently, let's update our name because we want to be known as an organization um, that um, supports, connects, equips, and mobilizes the very core of every warrior we come in contact with. So um, it's kind of the brief history uh, and we've been doing it ever since.
0: Yeah, so what are some of the things that you guys do during the year?
1: Uh, We do several events, obviously not this year because of COVID, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, we've, We've always been kind of event heavy Um, We'll do our Kid Fest event. We'll rent out the water park here in town. We have um, done our Warriors Thanksgiving feast, which started at about 220 people in this past, the past two years, we served 800 um, a night each night. And then last year we served a thousand. So that event is gonna actually change this year because of COVID, um, which we haven't announced anything yet. But um, we've done a lot of events uh, this year, because of the fact that a lot of those events got scrapped, it really was used to put our focus more on what I wanted us to go on, which was how do we care individually for our people and use our events as a way of letting people just get to know who we are. Um, it's the it's one of the nets that we cast out there, I guess you could say. Um, but uh, if you meet a need, like if you feed them, then we believe they come so we meet that physical need and then we can come in and meet the emotional relational spiritual needs that they might have so um, a lot of the other parts of the year is is very very random um, because the needs come like right now we are focused on part. a lot of our focus goes to hurricane uh, relief for service members here in our area who um, yeah they didn't lose everything they owned, but um, they've been, a tree may have fallen on the house literally before I left, before I got here to film this, um, I was up on the roof with, uh, two other guys who were helping an airman fix his roof. Mm-hmm. Um, so little things like that to respond to what's happening and in the current context of the community, I and mean, we want to help other people understand that, Hey, you can go do that too, wherever you are in the world. Um, it's part of that global reach. But um, also we run a, our Warriors Family Center, which is a small um, event center for service members to use for free. Uh, if they are currently serving in the armed forces, you can use that facility to host your kid's birthday party um, or something like that. We have a lot of people who have supported to make that event center possible. It's where we house our offices, our programs, our Warrior Warehouse. We do a um, temporary household goods for military families moving to or from shreveport Bozier area, um, because a lot of times, people the general public doesn't realize that when somebody pcs's a lot of times their stuff goes with them goes before or after they leave mm-hmm. could be a month um and before they ever leave or and then whenever they get here it shows up about a month after they leave sometimes so they're sleeping on the floor or they have to go to walmart and buy an air mattress
0: oh for sure we just had some friends uh shout out to uh chris and skylar roby mm-hmm. yeah they moved and their stuff didn't get there and still wasn't there for weeks after mm-hmm. and Yep. they were sleeping on the floor and, you yep. know, trying to figure things out out in Florida. And, um, you know, there, there wasn't anybody there like the the network to do what mm-hmm. you guys are doing here. I think one thing I love about you and what y'all do is, you know, it's, it's relationships. Absolutely. You know, one of the things uh, on the podcast that I want people to understand is that it's, uh, it's only through relationships that we get down to these root you know problems and, Absolutely. and solutions. And I've seen you guys do that and be the hands and feet, you know, whether you use Jesus as the platform or not Mm -hmm. it's always in the background and so um, I think it's been really awesome to see you and your team you know serve I mean I've been a part of some of those things and Mm -hmm. the the talks and the crawfish boils and the, Mm -hmm. you know and people feel loved they feel seen they feel known and the military is a very close-knit group whether it's air force or army or marines or you know navy or, or whatever it is but yeah I think the general population thinks oh they got everything they need
1: absolutely right the military
0: takes care of them. military
1: takes care of them and for the most part they do um our goal is to uh because we have the same mission as the military does which is take care of their service members Mm -hmm. um that's where we want to come in and supplement we don't want to take the place of what's already happening of what's going on we want to supplement where we can and on a community level let these uh guys, girls, families know that no matter what happens in their life, no matter what crisis they face, uh, this is where their family is.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. So what, what made you have this passion for the military specifically?
1: I have no idea. Uh, honestly, I was a young adult pastor at that church I served at, and I started just meeting a lot of young men there. And um, I, they became some of my closest friends to this day, um, four guys specifically. Um, But they, I I mean, I talk to them all the time. One right now is in Georgia, one's in California, one's in Guam, and the other lives in Texas. Um, And uh, none of them live here anymore, but they became family. So that is why um, I really believe that because of those relationships and because we realized that outside of the military, we were the only family they had, um, besides their family that lived in Georgia or Indiana or Alaska or somewhere else. Here, we were the only ones there. So um, we just took that as, hey, this is our responsibility. See a problem, meet it. So we decided to meet it. And I basically fell in love with serving them. And and, um, through that, that's expanded to every branch. And um, we get to be that family for them. And there's nothing that I love more, um, second to Jesus and my family, and my closest friends that then being there in the middle of the worst moments of our service members lives only because people were there for me in my worst moments of my life. And that's how I learned what it looks like to walk through hell with somebody. And, um, I personally am living proof that you can actually do something with your life once you feel like you've totally screwed it up. Yeah,
0: for sure, man. It's good stuff. So yeah, so in that in that same vein, what in the last you said four years y'all been over? five, five. years yeah five years you have been kind of face to face in some of the biggest like mental health issues, because as we know and we're gonna get into some statistics in a minute, but what do you think um have, what have you seen as far as being kind of the barriers the
1: issues with military
0: and mental health?
1: Um, number one, and it's a it used to be true, but the military has worked really hard to kind of bridge those gaps, but it's, I'm gonna lose my career. If I'm not mentally stable, if something's wrong, I run the risk of losing my career. A lot of the people we serve um, work on a nuclear mission, Uh, so they have to be ready. Um, They feel like, and it's now it's a stigma, but a lot of times they don't seek that help because of the fact that they're gonna lose their, they believe that they will lose their career. Mm -hmm. Um, We want to help end that stigma. Um, A lot of times people just don't want to talk about it. They don't feel like they have anybody around them to talk about. Their family life is imploding at home. They've got pressure. Really and truly, most of these guys that we serve, 19, 20, 21, sometimes this is their first place outside of home. They're young, married, might have a kid. Like we did when we were that age, we had no idea what we were doing. Right. Now they have no idea what they're doing with nobody around them to help them except some friends that have no idea what they're doing. So um, I believe that number one issue is I'm going to lose my career. Number two is I got a problem, but I'm just not going to deal with it. We see that all the time.
0: Right. And, that, um, and you know, that's just a just a everyday culture. life. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's the military or if it's a doctor. It's just
1: exacerbated because they don't have that sphere of influence. When it all does fall apart, they don't have the people there around them. And now they're scrambling right, trying to we, figure it out.
0: Yeah, we've looked at the last, you know, I think the last four years on social media, I've seen people doing push-ups,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? The What is it, 22 challenge? 22 a day. Yeah.
1: 22 veterans a day commit suicide.
0: Yeah. And that hasn't changed.
2: That so that much.
0: that's the conversation I'm going to have a little bit of today mm-hmm. is what is it about um, the military specifically, but suicide in general that we as a culture just aren't talking about? I think that's one of the major issues is that we're not talking what about talking it. About. Right? We yeah. don't have a big discussion out publicly about suicide. It's almost like, you know, we're going to get it on us. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is, is that it's the 10th leading of, cause of death in the United States mm-hmm. more than homicide. Right. Double more than homicide between the ages of I think 37 and 55. Right. So you have this huge population of people that are that are killing themselves more than they're killing other people, and then you narrow that down to the military, which is what less than two percent of the population, so and you have 22. One? Yeah, and they have 22 percent of, or of them a day killing themselves, and so, you know, that's every 65 seconds mm-hmm. somebody in the military ends their is, life. Ends their life. and a
1: lot of times that that statistic goes more towards veterans Mm -hmm. who have separated our focus for the network and while we serve and love veterans and all that um, there's hundreds of organizations out here that take care of them Um, we always as an organization refer to those organizations if we can't meet that need but um, on that 22 number that really doesn't count what's happening inside those who are currently serving active guard reserves um, who are currently in the ground.
0: Right. Yeah, not at all. And like most statistics, it's Mm -hmm. what's reported. It's what's reported. It's what you catch, Mm -hmm. you know, it's- It doesn't count spouses. No. Or kids. Or kids. Yeah, or, you know, I mean, the homicide, they do have some of that statistics, Mm but, you know, it's not included. Is it a Mm murder-suicide, you know, those type of things. Um, So what do you think, why do you think suicide is such a huge issue within the military?
1: Um, A lot of people, and it's true, uh, put it on PTSD. 100% true. I 100% believe that PTSD is one of the leading causes of veteran and military suicide. However, what we don't talk about is what I said earlier of simply these guys just don't know how to adult. Mm -hmm. And they get overwhelmed. Um, They don't know how to deal with life issues. A lot of times when there is a suicide attached to it is a family issue. Um, that nobody no, they didn't know how to deal with um, and then they're left with a bunch of friends and stuff who were like we never saw it coming, we mm-hmm. didn't know what was going on um, it's because it's a stigma of I can't talk about it or I'm not going to talk about it I'm going to be labeled as crazy, I'm going to be labeled as something's wrong with me Or, um, so that's really where we want to work is to end that, that stigma um, of the fact that you don't have to go it alone. You're not by yourself. Um, we see you, all the stuff that everybody says, but we see you, we hear you. Um, but we wanna actually make sure people know that we're there no matter what, and we've been there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I don't know if that answered your question.
0: No, no, it's fine, yeah. So tell me a little bit about being there. What, what are some of the things you've seen you know, over the last four or five years um, in these guys and, and ladies' lives that you've helped deal with? from a suicide standpoint
1: from a suicide standpoint um,
0: are the facts accurate I guess is the question oh yeah
1: the facts are accurate I mean it's there PTSD is is real when we deal with PTSD we usually um, uh, most I will talk to most people um, when it comes to a counseling issue or anything like that and quickly refer right here Mm -hmm. um, because and we have a partnership that allows that um, to where the network will cover um, three visits um, as they kind of feel out this process because this is scary. I'm going to mental health on base, it's scary. I'm going to even see your first sergeant, it's scary. Totally understand, but we want to make sure that they know that they're not alone. We go with them, we help make sure that there's a friend with them, we help make sure that there's something somebody who's taking care of them. We got a phone call um, at six o'clock in the morning one time and I, kn- I knew what it was the minute I got the phone call and I answered it. And it was um, a buddy of mine who was um, going to, he told me to take care of his dog and tell his parents he loved him. He was going to go find the nearest bridge and jump off of it. Um, We were able to um, alert leadership, basically a massive manhunt um, went on for him and one of his best friends found him and um, tackled him basically on a bridge and, um, went with him to, uh, mental health and with his first sergeant and the, the level of care that he got through the entire process of, um, recovery that led to recovery, which today he is recovering and he's doing great. Um, that, uh, that's a perfect picture. But, um, we, we've we had, a lot of times it's just that phone call because you position yourself alongside somebody um, of where you get a text message that, that you re, you can read something into. Um, or you just, we build that relationship with them and we're constantly checking on people. Man, how you doing? Um, hey, just making sure you know we love you. And then when you, pos- it might be a year from now, but when life happens, and you'll find out when life happens, um, then then now you've got an open door to help people not even get there. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've seen uh, several situations um, to where we've been able to either refer people here, um, get them straight to um, the hospital, uh, which is okay. um, And uh, really walk with them through it and not leave them just standing there and hey, we're dropping you off here and we're done with it.
0: Right. So, yeah, you, so you have the relationship ahead of time most mm-hmm. in most situations. A lot of times you do. And so you kind of know what to look out for, you know, the mm-hmm. signs, you know, the symptoms. Yeah. So if we talk about that for a minute, so what what have you seen are some of the kind of warning signs for suicide?
1: Um, in the military world, there's not a lot because they are good at masking. Mm. Um, but, and, and you really don't know until you get that phone call. Um, and you just pray to god that they pick up the phone and they call you um a lot of times it happens in the middle of some sort of situation so if i mean people post their world on social media um if you don't want me to know what's going on in your life don't post on social media um but i'm not afraid to fire off a message make a phone call hey how are you what's Mm -hmm. going on um so a lot of times it's proactive And I think that's how we need to be in life. When somebody sees there's a situation, instead of texting, hey, or or instead of commenting, hey, I'm praying for you, pick up the phone, send a text message, um, let somebody know that, hey, you've been through that situation. Exactly what happened um, with us. We had a baby premature. Um, We posted it on social media that we were going in the next day to have her. um, And we were in the middle of an emergency. And within about 10 minutes, I had people um, from some of whom I haven't talked to in years messaged me saying, hey, Trey, been there, Um, let's talk, here's kind of what to expect, here's what's gonna happen, Um, let's kind of, if you need me, I'm here. But they let me know that they had been in that situation, couldn't do anything for me right then at that moment, but just letting me know that I wasn't alone, and I actually did take them up on the offer, some of them, to actually go sit and have a conversation while my little girl was in the hospital, that meant the world, and that was huge, proactive, it's so a lot of things, you look at signs, you look at all this stuff, um, sometimes you don't see signs. Sometimes you just have to be proactive and walk deep in the lives of either one or two people or 100 or 200 people to the best of your ability. And when something catastrophic happens in their life, um, press in. Don't barge in like a bull in a china closet, but just press in. And, and like the guy who we just fixed his house because we had that kind of initial acquaintance we were able to meet a need that's going to lead to meeting more needs and and helping him actually go influence his world so when they hit that low you're already kind of riding with them a little bit where now you can help kind of guide them all the way through the the valley so to speak or rock bottom and back up um so Classic signs, being very quiet, uh, withdrawal. Um, But for me personally, and we'll get into my story hopefully here in a few minutes, um, there were no signs. There was just a, um, there was a trail of destruction. And I woke up one morning having absolutely um, no idea where the thought even came from. And um, I was ready to make that decision um, went to bed did not think about it was not thinking that way woke up at two o'clock in the morning and boom the decision was there um, the thought was there and it didn't take but about 10 minutes to go from decision to almost action
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah so tell me a little bit about that I mean part of the reason I think that you you know want to help and want to talk about this and we decided to do this podcast was because you you know we can talk about it people can get online they can read but having a person to share vulnerably what it's, what's actually going on in the mind of somebody who wants to kill themselves, I think is very important. So talk to me about you know what that was like for you. What when you say path of destruction? Because you know the path of destruction is a sign.
1: Mm-hmm. It is. It really is. That's why I said when you see people talk about their issues or talk about what's going on, because they will, they'll probably let let it out that some something's going on in my life. My grandmother died, my dad died, my, um, dog is sick. My, I've messed up here. Um, press into those moments because those are just things that as they compile on you, they compile on that person. Um, you want to position yourself as a person that, that is not afraid to ask how do you feel Mm -hmm. and not be freaked out by the answer. Um, I found myself um, dealing with a lot of uh, loss. Um, My dad had went to prison. We had lost two babies to miscarriage. Um, My mom was really sick at the time she died after that. My mom was really sick. Um, I was in the middle of um, severe depression, anger. Um, And again, there were signs that I hid. Nobody knew that I was punching holes in the wall because like my wife did. Nobody else did. Um, I was serving at a church. Um, I'm supposed to, like, like, they're supposed to be mentally fit um, to serve the, uh, um, in the military. I'm supposed to be mentally fit to help take care of everybody else, right. um, which is one of the greatest myths. of so if you're a pastor in the room, listen to this. That's one of the greatest myths ever. You don't have to be okay. Um, people actually are helped better by your vulnerability like you just said and by the fact that sometimes you're not okay um and that's real but um anyway we had been dealing with a lot of just stuff that was not um issues within our marriage it was issues w- that had compiled on me and i didn't have a clue how to process it
2: mm-hmm.
1: um i was the um i call myself a recovering people pleaser i'm writing a vlog on that soon um but uh I wanted everybody to be happy with me. Um, so I would lie, do whatever it took to make sure that somebody wasn't happy with me. And if I screwed up, I'd hide it. Ultimately, people would um, be upset with me because I lied. And now I don't have trust. So now I'm in this never-ending spiral of people-pleasing. Life is falling apart. Everything we ever owned was auctioned off. Um, I mean, my had to file bankruptcy. Just a whole bunch of stuff. And um, it... it I went to see my doctor. Um, Again, Cymbalta is wonderful. Um, So don't ever uh, think that you can't be put on medication um, because those things are used to help as well. I strongly suggest um, having a counselor friend to talk to as well. Um, I did not have that in my life only because I didn't seek it out because I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to have it figured out. Mm -hmm. You know what young preacher boy out there um, as we used to call people when we were at church, don't, don't. that's a myth, don't fall into that trip. You don't have to have your life figured out. You're not expected to. And if you are in a place to where you're expected to, run for the hills. Um, get in a place to where you can be vulnerable and you can be real and you can not be okay. Like the past three months of my life, I haven't been okay. And not one person has said anything um, about me not being okay in a, as a in a bad thing because of the fact that I've positioned myself now around people who, Actually care about me and who understand that they're not going to leave me not being okay, um, but they're not going to put pressure on me to just perform.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, so I was in a very unhealthy place. And um, one night, I don't even remember the day. I remember this situation. Um, I woke up around two o'clock in the morning. Went to my extra bedroom, and uh, my shotgun was sitting there. Loaded it. It was sitting in my lap, and within. A blur of 10 minutes, my wife walked in the door. Um, I have no idea why she woke up. I have no idea why she walked in. I thank God every day she did um, because I don't know what I would have done.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I felt as if I was, um, I had messed up beyond repair. Um, there's a song called Warned by 10th Avenue North. I texted my wife of, a little while before this situation. I said, if you want to know how I feel, listen to the song. Mm-hmm. Um, and she uh did and she was replied back i'm sitting here in tears because i had no idea how you really felt um and uh one of those lines is i'm tired i'm worn." um and i was i was exhausted i was tired of wearing the mask
2: mm-hmm. of
1: everything's okay and then when the mask fell off it fell off bad um and it started falling off in front of more people and it became this to where now, okay, now I'm embarrassed because I'm creating drama for myself. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, so shame.
1: Yes, shame. You're exactly right, shame. I was ashamed of the way I was acting.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but I couldn't stop it. couldn't help it. Um, I was mad. I was angry. I was mad at anything. My wife got the brunt of it. My coworkers got the next brunt of it. Um, to, the data, to this data where there's probably damaged relationships. Um, because, and I've tried to make it right, and we've we've reciprocated. I mean, and yes, the, the, those forgiveness has been granted, but yeah, your actions damage relationships, especially when you don't get help for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a turning point in my life. Uh, and I will say that was my rock bottom, and um,
0: uh, so people say suicide is you know super selfish, and you know
1: yeah, what? just go on and add more shame on somebody who's already <laughs> right. dealing with shame. Don't <laughs> right. ever say that. Because guess what? I wasn't even, I I wasn't thinking selfishly. I wasn't even, I don't even know if I was thinking, I was just thinking of the pain and I was thinking of how, how shameful I felt because of what I'd, how I had acted towards people. And I just, I mean, I wasn't like, I don't know, but yeah, don't ever say that suicide is selfish. We probably know that. It probably goes without saying, however, um, to somebody who's dealing with that, it doesn't help right. at all. It's not going to save anybody. It's like arguing with, like trying to present the gospel to somebody and expecting to win an argument. You're not going to win. Right. Um, you're not going to change anybody's life. Um,
0: yeah, I think people see the devastation it wreaks it in does. the families and the friends. It does. And it's the, horrible. Right. It
1: the, is horrible. But that's not a motivating factor. Um,
0: right. For most people, and myself included, you know, when you're in that spot of thinking about it. Um, You are just thinking about yourself Mm -hmm. because you you feel so poorly about yourself Mm -hmm. right you think this is hopeless this is helpless Mm -hmm. you know everything keeps happening to me Mm -hmm. you know i i don't see any way out of this then a lot of people think it would be better it's actually not it's selfless in some way cognitively right because they're thinking really irrationally that it would be better for their wife and their kids Mm -hmm. or their husband if I was just I gone, was just gone. Mm-hmm. right? Because they believe in that moment that their worth and value is completely kaputz. That's right. Right? There's none. That's right. I can't be any better. I'm not good enough. Nobody mm-hmm. thinks I'm good enough. And even if I did take my own life, nobody would care.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is not true, but it is reality. It is your your current reality yeah. that you see.
0: And I think it may be true in the moment for some people mm-hmm. when they're in such a dark place and all their relationships are broken and damaged and you know, they they have lost their job and they have done something terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe they abused somebody, maybe they mm-hmm. didn't. I mean, people do it for all kinds of different Absolutely. reasons. Um, but the reality is, is that that's still isolated within that one moment in that one series of events mm-hmm. in those circumstances. And circumstances can definitely change, Yeah. right? You're a testimony Absolutely. of that. We're I'm a testimony of that. Of that. Um, lots of people who are mm-hmm. walking around, if they're honest, are a testimony mm-hmm. of, I was a mess and super unhealthy and I never thought this moment would change. And now five years later, like, I can't believe that I'm here and I have Absolutely. kids and I, you know, i able to do those things.
1: I, 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 it's why we um, coined the phrase influence your world through the network. Um, you'll see that everywhere. Influence your world. Um, because we believe that you have, um, because of your value, your experience, because of what you've dealt with, because of where you've been, tie it all into the military, you have a unique experience that if you put it all together um, and you have healed or are healing from um, your rock bottom moment and you're learning from it and you're trudging along and you're repairing and you're growing, we believe you have great influence to help other people who are heading down to be that person, to be that lifeline, to be that person who's going to um, help you not get there. Um, we I don't say suicide prevention. Um, I want to just change the culture. where Number one, it's not taboo to talk about, like we talked about at the beginning. It's okay to talk about it. Um, it's okay to say, yeah, you know what, I've been there, done that. I mean, yeah, it's actually one share. of the
0: myths um, that if you talk about suicide, it's more likely for it to happen. Right. So a lot of times people will think someone's suicidal or think someone is having problems. And they'll avoid and not talk about it mm-hmm. because they don't want to put it in their head. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like a mm-hmm. lot of parents say, you know, if I talk to my kid about sex, he's going to want to do it. It's like, right. your kid wants to have sex anyway. Yeah. Like if it's already in their it. head, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, it's actually true that if you say suicide or kill yourself, it actually reduces the likelihood mm-hmm. um, that somebody will do it because you make it real.
1: You make it real to them and you let them know that, Hey, I'm, I'm watching you. You let them know, okay. Oh wow. Somebody does see where I am. Um, Again, we wanna have so many levels of care around people that they don't even get there. And if that, if a conversation, um, if suicide is at midnight and a conversation at 11 o'clock at night happens um, and I get, and I or somebody else says, hey, how do you feel mentally? Are you suicidal? Whatever their response is, doesn't matter. You've let them know that you see them and you see that, hey, you may be there and you know what? I, it's okay. It's okay. I need you to be honest with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which is combating that cognitive lie that the they lie, don't, they're don't not matter. loved. They're yep. mm-hmm. not loved. And um, a lot of times we don't have a clue what to do when somebody says, yes, I'm struggling or yes, I want to end my life or yes, I'm, I am i don't want to live or I've got a plan or anything and I firmly believe that that um, just like my wife, my wife didn't do anything. She didn't panic, um, my wife was strong. Um, she did not leave me alone. She did not let me sulk. She did not let me just stay there and wallow, but she didn't panic. She yeah. didn't um, call the pastor. She didn't take me to the hospital. She didn't like, oh my gosh, she sat there. And we sat there and we talked and we cried and we went to bed. And we got up the next morning and we started trudging through. All right, here's life. We set some parameters. We started healing. And that is where my wife used to tell me and marriage is one of the things that I love telling people. I love seeing when it clicks. Um, Tiff used to tell me through all of my anger, I'm I'm not your enemy. Mm -hmm. That moment is where I learned it because I learned that I could do anything and she was not going to go anywhere. Um, uh, No matter how much I tried to push, no matter how angry I was, no matter how much I yelled, screamed, cussed, whatever. um, In that moment, she proved that she wasn't against me. Um, I don't even know if that's the right word for what I'm looking for, but that she was beside me no matter what. And she had it because that is probably the hardest moment of anybody's life is when you get to the place where you just don't want to live anymore.
0: Yeah, um, and I don't know if it's that people don't want to live. It's that right. they don't want to be where they're They don't at. want to be
1: where they're at. They don't want to be where they're at. Yeah. And they see no other way except how to get around that mountain. Right. There's but, no way to get around the mountain. It's but, too much work.
0: Because I think people want connection. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what they're dying mm-hmm. for. And somehow the buildup of the years and the years and the years have brought so much disconnection and so much heartache and so much um, you know, disbelief in themselves, disbelief in God, disbelief in others that, I mean, what's the point? Absolutely. Right? And so... It's not that people are like, you know, I don't want to be here. I think most people who commit suicide do want to be do there. To. They're looking for it. And so, yeah, we're going to go over some steps at the end um, to help them find some connection,
3: mm-hmm.
0: some connection points and some steps to, you know, if somebody's out there listening and they're having somebody that suicide on their life that they can, you know, actually go, okay, here's some practice mm-hmm. steps. Because um, for you, luckily it was your wife who you had trust and right. intimacy there and was, connection mm-hmm. and, you know, and even though... You had all those things. That's the other myth, right, is that people who, you know, have it all together don't commit suicide. Absolutely right. Right? And, mm-hmm. I mean, I can tell you over the last year of having some anxiety and some issues going on, um, you know, I haven't wanted to take my life or gotten to the point where I, I was going to, but the thought definitely crossed my mind. Yep. Like, I just want this to be over with. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the point? And when yeah. you're, you're depressed or you're anxious and these intrusive thoughts are happening, I mean, I remember early on after Afghanistan and Katrina you know, I had significant intrusive thoughts every day. You know, I, I couldn't focus. I couldn't um, have a party or go to a friend's house or enjoy a time without something kind of flittering in and being like, "Oh, gotcha." You know, and it was this kind of all or nothing mentality. And I got to a point where I was like, "I'd rather that just be over with." Like, mm-hmm. you don't see any way yeah. out. And if this is going to be the rest of my life, then what's the point? What's the point? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think people call that weak you know people say a bunch of negative things about Mm -hmm. it but the reality is is those of us who have been through very traumatic events and who have gotten in that state of heartache and and shame and pain you would never say that to anybody else absolutely not
2: no
1: absolutely not you um you just kind of want to be there and a lot of times that situation doesn't require much talking they just need somebody beside you Mm
2: -hmm. beside
1: them and um and you have an opportunity to prove That you're not going anywhere Yes I'm going to get you help Yeah we're going to get help We wound up in this office um, With one of your counselors um, we, uh, So yeah you're, you're going to get help But you don't have to Go um, it alone
2: That's good
1: um, And you, the people around you Don't have to have all the answers and a lot of times we don't like suicide or we we push it off because we don't know how we're gonna react we don't know what we're gonna do whenever that person does come at us with that I mean I said that earlier
0: yeah I I think you know of course I have to ask why that is right Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean if if it's the tenth leading cause of death if 54% of Americans have been significantly impacted by suicide then why are we pretending like it's very unlikely, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I think normalizing and looking at the people in our lives and looking at our culture and looking at people's mental health status, especially right now during COVID, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, it, I think suicide, it was like 1 million a year in 2019 for the last five years, 1 million a year. Uh, people have committed suicide and in 2020 it's upped which is like every 40 seconds Mm -hmm. and now it's up to every 20 seconds seconds. 2 million people a year Mm -hmm. so you know our anxiety our depression the lockdown has increased suicide so much and ultimately it's Mm self-hate right it's people not loving themselves not believing they have worth and value and so then i have to say well why is that and it's because we live in a society that generationally has never dealt with any of these things absolutely so we you know we're talking about the military a little bit today but if we if we kind of magnify that to the society as a whole and we go how did we get here how how is it that every you know minute someone's killing themselves in this country where does that come from we we know as you say and the the guys you've sat with and the people that i've sat with you know it's shame Mm
3: -hmm.
0: it's feeling unloved it's feeling not good enough it's feeling unsafe And that comes from a whole system in place that doesn't take these things seriously.
1: Right. I agree with that. That that thinks that if you slap a hotline number out there, Hey, call them, call those people. They'll take care of you. Right. Um, no, call me, call you, call somebody. They, they, there needs to be, this is why COVID was so bad with isolation. Um, there needs to be a physical person there, um, that, Proves that they're there, and you're 100% correct.
0: Yeah, so I think we have to look at the military, and, you know, as a microcosm of the mm-hmm. of the whole, the whole thing, thing, right? And so the military's high in suicide rate because they deal with a lot more stressful Absolutely. things, right? They're not told that it's okay for them to be. I mean, I remember you know getting deployed, coming back from Afghanistan, and that was 2003. So when we got back from Afghanistan, we were there nine months. You know, lots of trauma, lots of stuff going on we get back to fort polk and they basically were like hey look if you're having any problems if you have any struggles there's two weeks that you can stay here and you don't have to go home and you can get some counseling and get some psychiatry and um mm-hmm. and it's like no, no. you know like going i'm home. going home yeah <laughs> like i'm literally yeah. in my state like i'm going to go home i'll deal with that later
2: yeah i'll deal with it right?
0: later and it's called post traumatic stress disorder mm-hmm because it's after the fact, mm-hmm. it's not during traumatic stress right. disorder. Absolutely. So when you're deployed or when you're at home or when you're going through trauma or being abused or being neglected or being abandoned or whatever it is that's traumatic, mm-hmm. of course in the moment it sucks, but it's, it's months after, it's weeks after, it's years after that it really mm-hmm. comes up and hits right. you. And so if we look at um, the military in our, in our general culture and we go, okay, 52%, 53% of the people who joined the military, have a divorce home, mm-hmm. right? So that means that 53% of the people joining the military already have previous trauma.
3: Yeah,
1: have some sort of trauma. Right,
0: mm-hmm. have have some kind of Whether serious- Whether they think it's trauma or not. Yeah, I mean- It's, it's traumatic. I, yeah, exactly. Um, there's not a person who's been through a divorce who would say, that I've ever met, that would say, oh no, the divorce was great. Mm-hmm. I'm super glad that my caregiver separated right. and the people who I looked up to and had attachment with broke up, mm-hmm. right? Most of the time because, Unfortunately that means the if they divorced usually it wasn't amicable and usually that means the attachment was already mm-hmm. severed way before that. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if you have two people who are adults and willing to divorce. That means that along the way there were all kinds of other things going mm-hmm. on. So you have this huge culture um that's really uh already traumatized young, you know, joining the military, lack of resources like you said, mm-hmm. and then a culture that they're fitting into that says, "Well, you you can't be messed up yeah right and i think the church and the military are a very Mm -hmm. big parallel where it's like you're coming in the pastoral world and you're coming to lead and and teach and it's like well you have to have yourself together mainly because we as the culture treat them as heroes yeah right we set them apart and we Mm -hmm. say well they're heroes i mean i remember people saying well what do you mean you have ptsd like weren't you trained for
2: that yeah
0: and it's like that whole concept Um, of i'm trained trained to see people die or kill people or be involved in in war no, like, you trained me and desensitized me to be able to do that. Right. That's the difference. It's mm-hmm. actually training me to, to be able to survive, but it's not training me to be a good father or a good husband or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. You're exactly right. And so they they get involved in the military, not even knowing any of that's happening. Like you said, already having previous trauma, already having these family issues. They get in the military young. They think they're going to make some good money. They have independence, but they have no emotional intelligence skills or very little. Mm-hmm. They have lots of trauma that's going on, and a whole worldview that says like, "Beat what? What strength is? What yeah. being tough is? Yeah, man,
1: be strong." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're so then that. they
0: get in there and they're stuck, mm-hmm. and then they're in a in a world that goes, "Okay, we're here to support you, but we have limited resources. Taxes come into play with all that. Right. I mean, there's Absolutely. a, a there's big conversation limited, we can have."
1: Yeah, you can you can blame it on anything, um, but yeah, I mean the whole another part that you know to think about is you, well, we hit on it a little bit, but when you say you're by yourself, a lot of people think, Oh my gosh, I'm by myself. I don't have a support system. I'm by myself. I can do what I want. Absolutely. Um, especially for a 21 year old kid who can go downtown and do whatever he wants.
0: Yep. Making good money, making good, good income money. steady.
1: Uh-huh. And then he's, that person begins to make a series of questionable choices. And now a year later, two years later or whatever, he's dealing with the consequences of those choices That he or she made, and now they find themselves alone. Now trying to clean up their mess.
0: Right, which Mm -hmm. is the story you were telling. Which is the story I was telling. Yeah, and it's not. It's the thing that I want people to understand is finding blame is kind of pointless. Mm -hmm. Looking at root causes is super important, right? Because we're going to change mm -hmm. uh, this whole twenty-two a day for the last four years, Mm -hmm. which isn't changing. No, that's because we're treating symptoms. Mm You know, we're, we're doing fundraisers, and we're, we're you know giving talks, and we're doing things.
1: And we're, we're waiting on that person to go to the hospital, waiting on them to reach out, we're waiting on them to make a phone call, waiting on them to get there. I want, like I said, I want to have so much level of care to where, all right, this year we had X amount of suicides at Barksdale, or X amount of suicides at Minot, or X, or X amount at Fort Hood, or whatever, wherever you want to go. Um, next year we had less actually read less did we um, did anybody call and talk to them or have they did we take them to hospital no oh wow they're not getting to that point now we're caring for them in such a way where that's not even no longer a bible option for them Um, because also I mean suicide's a bible option now it Mm. really is I mean I worry about that with um, teenagers and stuff I look at them and I think of um, what happens when they get into a fight with their parents? And, Of course, I, I have a three-month-old, so don't. I don't know. I don't know what it's like to have a teenager. She but I
0: started talking back. Just I, yet. I could
1: just imagine. Um, I'll show you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'll show you. I, 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 mom and dad. I mean, I could imagine that. I mean, it's a viable option in our culture today.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, the teen suicide rate has increased sixty-seven percent in ten mm-hmm. years. So it, you know, it's it's pretty insane how. Uh, the teenagers that I've worked with and others in in my practice and in general across the country, you know, teenagers will just say, Hey, why don't you just kill yourself Mm -hmm. to their friends? Yeah. yeah. It's just an option. Yeah. -hmm. Well, not even a joke. Like it's a, it's a suggested fact now. Uh, Like, Oh, you don't like your life. You don't like what's going on. Just kill yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's suggested that's tweeted. That's text to each other. I've seen it a hundred times. I've met with schools where, and parents where they're like, well, Susie was on this group chat, you know, and they text, you know, this about their family going through divorce and they were basically just like, well, we don't see any way out, so just take your life. And it's it's just like most things in our culture, it's there, it's super present, it's a huge statistic, but we mm-hmm. never talk about it. Right. You Absolutely. know, we, we barely And if we do talk the,
1: about it, it's call a hotline. Yeah. Or let's fix you in some way.
0: Yeah, and people I think people are scared of what they don't know. Mm-hmm. And so they don't want to step into the world of suicide or self-harm mm-hmm. because they don't want to get it on them, and they well, also don't, you know, they don't want to feel shame if they agree with the situation, if they, if they've, mm-hmm. if they've attempted or they're thought thinking about it. But a lot of us think about suicide a lot. Oh yeah, you know, you maybe not. About,
1: people think about that. Yeah, you're right. Maybe not actually doing it, but what would it be like? You know.
0: hmm
1: I believe that people are afraid of, um, like that they'll get it on them. Um, what am I going to do if this person actually does it?
0: Right. So, yeah. So how do I invest in this person's life right. and then have to deal with the fallout if I couldn't stop them from doing Absolutely. That? Yeah. And that's the what other thing. What
1: if they I, tell me? Am I responsible?
0: Yeah. No. No, right. not. I mean, that's the thing that people need to hear is that you're not responsible for someone else's actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times when people commit suicide, you know, the loved ones that are left behind are left to look back and think, what could I have done differently? Would I have could I have held them longer? Should I have been a better dad? Should I have been a better spouse? Should I have been a better mother? And the reality is, is like it's part partly true. Yes, you could have been.
1: We could all
0: be better. Absolutely, but it's not their fault that it happened. Right, right. It's chemistry. At some point, mm-hmm. it it yeah. takes over, and the person can no longer think rationally and mm-hmm. logically. Right, and they truly believe that what they're doing is best, and that it's not worth doing anyway. Mm-hmm. And so. You know, for people out there listening that have lost someone to suicide, it isn't your fault. Right. And Absolutely. the grief that you feel and the pain that you feel um, for losing that person, it it's real. We all, like I said, 54% of us have, have had somebody, have had buddies in the last year, last two years, military guys who have taken their life. And it's terrible. And, you know, I've had that thought like, man, should I call him more? Should I text him more? Should I mm-hmm. went to his house and, and checked on him? Maybe does that still mean that it's my fault and my responsibility? Yeah. Maybe a little bit.
1: Would that have stopped them?
0: Yeah. Would that have stopped them? You'll never know, know because about. there's a million cases and every case has to be a case-by-case basis, mm-hmm. right? Every person's story when it comes to suicide is totally different. How much chemistry it is, mm-hmm. how much character it is, how much, you know, were you set up with your family history and your trauma? Once it happens, picking up the pieces is all we can do. Yeah. It's finding ways that we don't end up in that same space, right? Because it's a cycle. Now you feel not good enough and you feel unworthy and you feel, you know, unloved because you allowed, quote unquote, this thing to happen. Mm-hmm. And now you're down the spiral, right. isolated and alone and ashamed. And and we see that in a lot of teenagers that one, you know, one kid will kill themselves and then a bunch will happen all over the place. And, um, and it's because we don't know what to do mm-hmm. when it happens. We don't right. control the situation. We don't educate we don't talk about it we don't make the implicit explicit and really start dealing with the situation at the school or at the you know at the office or wherever it is that happens
1: you're exactly right my best friend had no idea um, nobody my wife had no idea um, no I don't I look back I can think of man a lot of situations could have been different right but I don't think anybody would have helped it. There was something inside of me. I was the one who was messed up, and I had to get to that place to where, and yeah, it took me getting to rock bottom um, to where I realized, because I was such a people pleaser, um, that I would did not even want people worrying about me. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not want people thinking bad of me. Again, I had that stigma of they're gonna think I'm nuts, they're gonna think I'm crazy. Um, I didn't even wanna tell, tell people I was um, suffering from depression.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I, I hear you, and we talked about this a little bit before, mm-hmm. but you know, I'll challenge, uh, challenge that a little bit because okay. it's, it's both. You know, I, I think we are responsible um, once we know yeah. better, which is the whole com- point of this conversation, uh, is for people to know better, is that no, you are responsible to check in on your people. You are responsible to not put your head in the sand you are. and be so focused on your own pain and your own issues that it, it's not worth digging and asking. You know, mm-hmm. for you being, uh, you know, a two on the enneagram mm-hmm.
3: and you know so.
0: being a big helper and wanting to Very help people, so. like people have to not let you do that. Mm-hmm. And plenty of people get caught in the trap of like, just oh, this is how Trey is, and yeah, then that's how you Trey know, has learned. It. Right. Instead of like I do to you, which is like, <laughs> no, dude, like you're not gonna help. I'm. This is how it's yeah, gonna be. Yeah, exactly. But right. that's that's learned, right? Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't always like that with people. You know, this uh, Katrina happened. You know, 15 years ago, a few days ago. And I had messaged an old sergeant in the Army, and I just told him, man, you know, we were texting, and I I messaged him and said, man, I'm so sorry for the 20-year-old punk that I was. (laughs) Looking back now, like almost Mm -hmm. 40, I realized how hard that must have been to be leading in that crisis. And here we were giving Mm -hmm. you crap because, you know, you weren't doing everything we thought you should be doing. Mm -hmm. And my point is, is that, you know, I've learned that over time, though, right? I've learned to be that type of friend over time from people being that for me. Right. You know, from people calling me out and engaging me like you and like others and, and listening to the deepest, darkest parts of us and then being like, yeah, I'm good with that. I love you anyway, mm-hmm. even though you think that or even though you've done that or even though that's the part of your, your life that's dirty and black and, and horrible.
1: Big deal. Here's mine.
0: <laughs> yeah. It doesn't define who you are. But we, we live in a society that is defined by all these external
1: things. Oh, absolutely. That's why we say the core of every warrior. Everything we do is very pointed. The core we don't want to I don't give two flying flips what rank you wear what what branch you're in how many stripes you've got what uniform you're in I don't care take that mess off put your civvies on that's the person I want to talk to Mm -hmm. I want to talk to the core of who you are I want to know that person and because quite frankly if if you do follow through with um falling victim to suicide and make these choices your career you don't have it anyway
0: Right. Well, um, I think that's why they need you and that's why they need outside sources. Right. I think, you know, the Barksdale's base, you know, is great and they had military service there, you know, counselors and, mm-hmm. you know, mental health and all that kind of stuff. And, and please go to it. But the reality is, is that, the, I mean, per capita, right, per person, they don't have enough to service mm-hmm. the people who need therapy because everybody needs it. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody needs to be in some type of therapy dealing with something because whether yeah. they're getting deployed, or whether they're not getting de- fully deployed, just mm-hmm. being on base, being in that minority of people, being in that system in which your rank and your your you know who you are and all those things do matter, because you mm-hmm. can say we're worried about your core, but the system doesn't. The system doesn't. Right, system, and, that's, yes. and that's not a person, that's the system of the military. Mm-hmm. You have to follow rank, mm-hmm. you can't you talk did, yeah. back. You, you have did, yeah. to do the things you have to do, fair or not fair, buddy you know good old boy system or not Mm -hmm. and people have to function in that right and so you have to go to training so you can learn to shoot so you can learn to drop bombs so you can learn to do these things but those that doesn't necessarily compare to good mental health absolutely and so they're stuck in this cycle of well I have to go to you and get counseling or I have to you're telling me you care about my core but 80 percent of my life doesn't right or doesn't seem to yeah And Mm -hmm. I don't think they, it's an intention thing. I don't think they intend, although some people do. um,
1: And you're not going to make everybody care. No. I learned that. I I learned that. You're not going to make everybody care and that's fine.
0: But that's why they need more. I think Mm -hmm. that's why military especially, but all of us just need more more people in our life and a culture of vulnerability and support that isn't, um, you know, just inward focused. Right. And. The problem is like we said so many people have not recovered from their trauma in their past that they just don't have the capacity to I mm-hmm. mean when I'm depressed and anxious you know and I'm I'm in and in, in triggered I don't have the capacity to reach out to other people I'm so mm-hmm. focused on surviving
1: right which that's my challenge not, not my challenge but that's what I my reply back to your challenge was I was really good I'm not a dummy um, nobody I deal with no nobody's stupid Um, people are very smart people put up those protective things um, and especially of seeing not wanting to be seen as as weak lie um, or anything else you put up those walls and you learn to say the two famous words i'm fine or i'm okay Mm -hmm. and you do not let people in you do not let i didn't um, because i did not know I was not educated enough to know and to what i believe now what you just said was that every single person walking the planet needs to be in counseling some everybody needs to be talking to somebody whether that's a counselor your best friend your pastor somebody you need to have somebody your spouse and the person closest to you or some total stranger that you can be totally open and vulnerable with and learning learning that that's okay in context with the right people I believe is what saved, is what has saved me now. And now when I find myself sliding, which it happens, um, uh, I, I know because I I had people who pressed into my life, who taught me what it looked like to put people better than me around me, people smarter than me, people who, I, where I wasn't the only leader, I wasn't the only guy who was, um, I wasn't the one giving, doing all the giving, doing all the caring. Um, I've now put, and people have forced their way, I.E. you, um, into my life, and have made me realize that you know what? No matter, no matter what, these these core people, they really do have me, um, and it took learning that through experience, um, and that's what I. If nothing more, we want to help people understand that to learn that experience, well, not just by saying it. We want them to learn it by experience. That's why when, like I said a second ago, when somebody posts, hey, I'm going through this problem um, on social media, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, that's great. Go pray for them. Please go pray for them. Um, Don't just say I'm praying for you and don't pray. Go pray for them. Fire off a text message. Call them. Put yourself beside them, position yourself beside them. They may reciprocate, they may not, but you've let them know, hey, I I see what's going on and you're not by yourself.
0: Absolutely. Um, And
1: that I believe all of that little of a marketing brain, it takes at least 10 impressions before somebody actually goes and clicks on a website. So a billboard, a um, ad on social media, an ad on TV, um, an ad in an article, it takes 10, things to show Clint Davis Counseling or every Warrior Network before somebody actually goes and actually looks at the resource um, or the product or something like that um, on average. Same thing really and truly when it deals with people. Um, It takes a lot sometimes and it takes consistency for people to really begin to understand, okay, that person may actually just care about me. They may not want anything from me.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're talking uh, about grace because, mm-hmm. you know, loving somebody in that way gracefully without any agenda is mm-hmm. rare. Yeah, and It it's is scandalous. I mean, people people mm-hmm. have never experienced that from their own parents. Mm-hmm. So how could you, you know, wire rando dude saying hey to me in Target mm-hmm. really care about me? Right. right? How could you really want to spend time? So, yeah. what would be your answer for that?
1: A lot of times rando dude in Target is not my is not who I'm supposed to be caring about got us put you right there in the middle of your circle of influence and if those people don't know it's like like i tell people when or i wish we told more people who want to go into the mission field they want to go serve in africa what have you done here mm-hmm. what have you done here in shreveport bozier um one thing with hurricane relief we haven't packed up and went down to south louisiana um we've got airmen right here who's got trees in their houses um A lot of people have, praise God, but they've also left an impact here. Mm -hmm. You're not gonna care for people outside of your circle of influence until you you make sure that that sphere of influence around you knows that you give a crap about them and knows that you also are willing to let them care about you. Um, So don't go searching for that new person. Make sure your spouse, make sure your best friends, make sure um, your coworkers, make sure that you have created a community around you of the people who are in your everyday rhythm of life. And if those people are not people that you want to be, go find new people. But I think
0: that's, I mean, I think that's key though. It's a great point, Trace, because there are people out, out there and people listen to this who feel like the people in their sphere of influence in their circle, they don't trust. And so that's where therapy comes in. It like, is, it is. I think people don't understand that counseling is a place where people can go and i mean even though people talk about therapy all the time and as i'm saying it i'm like oh people know therapy is good it's like Mm -hmm. no there's still a huge population who are like i don't need that or that's not for me or whatever And it's like well if the problem is you don't trust anybody in your environment enough to tell them your deep dark secrets Mm -hmm. then you may have to go pay someone who's trained to so mm-hmm. that you can practice. Absolutely. Because what you're saying with the whole you know, seeing 10 things, it's like, yeah, that's, bu- that's building neuropathways. Mm-hmm. And neuropathways are these things in our brains that help us to have instinctual, automatic responses. And when you've been traumatized, and when you've had abuse, and when you've had abandonment, neglect, and, and all the things, divorce, conflict, then you don't have a neuropathway that says, hey, when people are close to me, I should open up. Absolutely. You have a neuropathway that says, don't tell anybody don't tell anything anybody. or mm-hmm. you're gonna die. Mm-hmm. So then when you let that build and build and build and get to the point of having suicidal thoughts, you're, you already have a worldview that says being vulnerable is stupid yeah. and risky and dangerous. Mm-hmm. And exactly now I don't right. love myself and care about myself, but neither does anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. done. Now, I, I did want to say one thing about suicide. One thing that does happen is the chemistry part where you know people are on meds for depression, for anxiety, mm-hmm. but they're nowhere near suicidal Mm -hmm. but they take the wrong thing or they Mm -hmm. get their meds off and things just spiral really quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, they wake up the next day and they had switched something that they were taking and then, you know, that's it. Right. And, you know, those things are unfortunate and they're terrible, but those are also very rare, right? I mean, in comparison to the whole.
1: But if you're in that situation, give yourself time.
0: Absolutely. If
1: you are going through medicine changes, been there, done that. Tiff will tell you there was one day changed me from... Um, one med to another. And I literally sat there in my house and cried. I'd called my doctor. I'm like, I can't take this stuff after my wife told me, you can't take this stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I just sat there for days. I'm like, she's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know. I just, I'm just hyper emotional. I could not take it. Um, so they swapped me back to whatever, but take the time that it takes to make sure that you are mentally healthy and you are the one who has to fight for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you will fight for my mental health only, not, only as much as I will. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And um but I have you're gonna fight even more as you see me fighting for it.
0: Yeah, and you have um, the right to do that. You know, if you're right. out there struggling and you, you know, you feel like, ah, oh, man, I'm so lazy or I can't get this together, there's no way I can take a week off of work. Mm-hmm. Yes you can. Yeah, you can. Because you'll look back on life and that week off of work or that inpatient you did for 30 days or whatever mm-hmm. it is, whatever the cost is for that program, whatever the you know the time it is, whatever the view of people mm-hmm. around you, it's worth your life.
1: Right, it is worth your life. And if you're around people who are gonna view you negatively for having that inpatient or that um, time off, then you need to, I know as hard as it is, put more, new people around you. One of the things that I had to do in my life, Um, was change a lot of things. I had to change people around me. I had to change atmospheres around me. Um, And it wasn't fault of them, it was toxic on me. Um, And I had to learn and people helped me understand that. And I found myself the one place where I didn't want to be, which was sitting in an office in a new job by myself. And that was the best place I could have been because in that moment, I learned a lot about myself. God taught me a lot about myself and God taught me to depend on a few people instead of me being the person that everybody depended on.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I love it when I get to help people, don't get me wrong. I love it when people, I don't want people depending on me, Um, but I love getting to be that person that um, walks with people through their darkest, it's where I thrive. Um, it's one of the things I wake up for Um, give me somebody's messy life and you know what I want to help you through it that's what I believe God put me here on this planet for because people walked into my messy life and helped me with it Um, and (coughs) several of those people today don't even know everything that happened they were there um, and I can pick up the phone today and it is as if nothing ever happened so on the flip side of healing, uh, of growth, as you continue to, and as you go around the circle and and hit new trajectories and all that stuff, you find yourself um, you you find yourself not nearly worried about the what are people going to think mm-hmm. or how is this going to affect me long term. What those things, while they're gigantic roadblocks, right there. In front of the mountain that you feel like you've got to move, as you begin to go down the road of of recovery, of healing, uh, of finding help that you deserve, um, you think those things aren't near as big as you think they are, and if they are, again, do what I did, do which is hard. But it's not as hard as you think, uh, and yeah, I can love you from a distance. I don't, I don't, I don't have to have that part of my life because you have to. Fight for the life that God created you for. And um, if God himself has not called you home, it ain't time for you to go. Mm-hmm. And there's still purpose there. Let's fight for it. It's good. Let's fight for it. Yeah, I think a and lot. And it's, it's worth fighting for. There's a song called Why by Rascal Flatts that says, um, who told you life wasn't worth the fight? Who lied to you? Um, it's a lie. It's worth yeah, and
0: somebody it. did, right? I mean, yeah. I think that's the that's the issue that people have to realize is that those, those thoughts, those I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm not valuable, mm-hmm. it's not worth it, you know, those are lies. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think like you tell yourself. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think from a Christian perspective, lies from Satan, you know, lie, mm-hmm. and, and Satan doesn't have to be this devil in your ear with a pitchfork. No. It, it's the history that you've been through since you were a child, it's the ways your parents parented, it's the experiences you had in high school, it's, it's these moments in time when other people. The world showed you through pain that you weren't valued. Mm-hmm. Their actions literally showed you that they didn't care about you. Yeah. And so well, the problem with that is that is that you're still allowing external things to dictate your own internal worth and value. Mm-hmm. And we have to, as human beings, figure out how we have worth and value without all the extra stuff. Right,
1: there's worth and value inside of you.
0: Yeah, just and for being not human. not
1: dependent on anything else.
0: No, the one thing you have to do to have worth and value is draw breath. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to be alive. And I think we forget that. We're not taught that. And then we don't live it out, you know, day to day in our relationships. We're constantly in this cycle of we're so beat up. We're so tied down to our traumas and our histories that we're trying to get other people to validate our own pain. Mm-hmm. So, our lives are spent doing things you know enjoying things, parenting, being married, watching movies, whatever it is that we 're doing, so that we feel good enough and safe and loved and that works for a while right that can keep you in a in a in a moderately happy world right mm-hmm. but when life happens and there's more pain and more trauma and abandonment or transition or whatever, or you're in a very you know messy toxic environment for a while then it's not enough anymore, mm-hmm. right? Those, those external things stop being enough. And, and we see that with Hollywood, we see that with professionals, we see that with anybody who's making tons of money and doing all the things that people think are um, amazing. Right? Robin Williams a few years ago, mm-hmm. you know, people were like, I can't believe Rob, you know, Robin Williams would have taken his own life and, and done those things. And it's like, well no, like he, he had everything that we see mm-hmm. as a society to be the things that you desire and want. But obviously, there were things going on in his life that weren't okay. What? Because if, if your family system, if your friends, if your day-to-day life and having coffee and doing your, you know, your fun things with each other, playing board games, going bowling, playing golf, whatever it is that's, that's the intimate things you do with your people aren't good, then it doesn't matter how famous you are. It doesn't matter what career you have. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. You, I mean we've all been there where we have every, you know, people, people have been there where they have everything they want from a worldly viewpoint and they're anxious and depressed and they kill mm-hmm. themselves absolutely right so it it's proof in the pudding that you know there's been enough people with celebrity status that have been amazing
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know to everybody and who people look up to and who people are like you have it all why would you do that mm-hmm. and it, it goes to show that like it depends on what you define all as right
1: what's all mm-hmm.
0: yeah what's all
1: We had it all. We lost it all. And there's not a day that goes by that I'm not grateful that we lost it all. Right. Because having it all and losing it all helped me actually learn what it looks like to care for people who don't have it.
0: Right. Because I think all isn't stuff or Mm -hmm. isn't status. It's our relationships. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's when we wake up and go, oh, I lost my job. I lost my career. I got sick. I have cancer. I have whatever. Mm -hmm. And yet the people in my life who love me and Mm -hmm. who are with me and who don't judge me, they're still here and they're still doing the Mm -hmm. same things. It reminds me of you know, you know, the guy uh, that played Black Panther you know passed away last mm-hmm. week from uh, I think colon cancer, colon cancer is what they said, and everybody's shocked. I had somebody this morning in session say, "Man, I wish you would have told somebody," you know, and right. I'm like, you know, I just said, "Well, I mean, it wasn't any of our business," right? But it was pretty amazing that the people that he had around him in his life, that um, that were that knew over the last four or five six years, mm-hmm. no one knew. And that's so rare. Right. Right? It's so rare for a famous person to have something that significant going on mm-hmm. and for somebody not to leak it, mm-hmm. for there not to be some circumstance in which somebody used it for their own story, their own story. or their mm-hmm. own gain. And I think that's so much of what people are worried about. Right. Right. Is that they're stuck in a situation where they don't trust people.
1: Yeah. I don't trust anybody. Right. And, and, I, and if I tell somebody, they're going to go blab it and it's going to. Yeah.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And, and they may be Right. Mm-hmm. You may be right out there. If you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, that's my life. You may be right. So, but you are responsible for finding help. You're right. You're responsible for taking the risk and going, well, I don't have anybody in my life who's going to listen to me. But clearly there are people out there that love people, that care about people, that you know, will give them good therapy, that will walk them through this until you can learn to find people in your mm-hmm. life. Those people can help you maintain until you can change your environment, until you right. can change your career, until you can change your physical appearance, so you can do whatever it is is the thing. And if you're 500 pounds overweight and you need to lose weight, there's stories of people being able to do that, and, and then you become a testimony. Mm-hmm. Right? You become that person like us who sits and goes, yeah, I'm still a mess. I'm a oh. work in progress. <laughs> I could easily be suicidal next week probably <laughs> if I keep you know doing the wrong things. If I dwell on it. Right, and yeah. yet... I'm choosing to put these things um, in place and not these Mm -hmm. and I'm choosing to be as scripture says boasting in my weaknesses is not asking like we have all the answers not like we have it all together Mm -hmm. right but that because we don't and we can share that with each other it makes us way less likely to get to a place where we're going to take our own life absolutely because I know that you love me and care about me I know my friends love me I know my wife loves me I know and how do I know that? Because I've experienced
2: yeah, it. Yeah, you've experienced it. And the you only way experience. that
0: I can love someone is to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You can't hold a shield up protecting yourself and connect with someone right. at the same time.
1: Because you're not helping anybody. No. You, you may think you're helping them by not letting them see all of you. It's not.
0: No. And, that's, it's and, not. and real safe people but, want to see all of
1: you. Mm-hmm. They do. The safe people around you, they want that, that level of um, emotional and relational intimacy. And they deserve that.
0: Absolutely. You deserve that. And so um, that, you know, that stat of why are, you know, people ask that all the time like especially Caucasian men, you know, in their midlife crisis, you know, they're the main ones killing themselves and mm-hmm. I think it has a lot to do with what we're talking about is that men don't talk like this. Men not talk about we're it. We're not taught about talk, you know, taught. There's still a whole culture right now still of like toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and I don't mean manly things.
1: Right, absolutely not.
0: I, I think You're manly right. things are great. Uh, mm-hmm. Hunting, fishing, you know, those things are super important, and we need to value them and teach them to our children.
1: Growing, growing up, I would um, not growing up my later teen years. Um, grew up in a small town, and um, the Friday night thing to do was go hang out in the Walmart parking lot with a beer, right. um, drinking beer or go. But but the sweet, some of the coolest moments I had was just having that friendly conversation with somebody sitting on the back of a tailgate, um, looking at the night sky night um drinking a beer coke whatever and um just being in that moment where nothing really else matters and you're just you're not you're not digging into somebody's issues you're just talking Mm -hmm. and that's i believe where those um where the things that lead to that deep relational intimacy come start right. from um, me and my wife we um started putting together puzzles um yeah 37 years old and we're putting together puzzles thousand piece puzzles um across the dinner table from each other and we'll make a mess of our table for a week and throw a puzzle together some of the best mindless conversation we've ever had our communication shot through the roof um, by just being able to do things like that i think we need to get back get off of the text messaging while well, that's okay get back onto the, the phone call and more so get back really and truly into the, um, the, the, the the lunch, the dinner, the face-to-face, those times where you're just hanging out and you're just doing something with somebody um, and you're learning what it's like to trust. You're learning what it's like to um, To to be in in that type of relationship, so yeah, get back on the on the tailgate of a truck um, from an old country boy. Yeah, I miss that. Yeah, I need to do that more often.
0: And it brings up a good point about culture too, that has happened and why it's Mm -hmm. escalating in the last ten years is just technology and technology. That's easy. We could talk about that all day. That's so easy. But social media, the little square you know computer in your pocket Mm -hmm. that you get on, and there's just so much disconnection. Mm -hmm. And I think the antidote to suicide is connection, yes. right? I, I think we can talk about what to do about it and there's a ton of sy- systemic changes that we've talked about that, that could go into that. But on a personal note, what can we do as individuals is we can connect. connect. We can find more ways of connecting and, and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and all these other ways, are or they're substitutes for connection. They are. They're right. not real connection. They're right. not the tailgate conversation. They're not puzzle mm-hmm. conversation. They're not doing whatever it is that you do with your spouse or your friends that you know is intimate mm-hmm. and I think that's another reason why males are killing themselves mm-hmm. is because they don't know, how to be intimate. I don't know how to be intimate and they have so much shame around who they are and mm-hmm. and who they've been and you know midlife what they've left behind and we don't realize that life is worth living absolutely that I mean I work all the time with people who have had a whole life of destruction and within a couple of years all of a sudden have the best marriage they've ever had, have the best career they've ever had, have the most sobriety they've ever had, mm-hmm. and they go on to have 40 more years of success and you know, high functioning life. Mm-hmm. And but we don't see that enough in life. We don't see the story of the person who was trafficked for 5 years like I what? see with the purchased ladies that I work with and you know, they've been trafficked for 5 years and had sex with 75 different people, you know, a week. And then they get out and they're they're working and they're doing well and they've recovered, and they have they get a boyfriend and they they learn these things and so my point is is that a little bit of good can outweigh a lot of bad mm-hmm. and so if people are sitting out there feeling like you know there's no way that my bad right that's the thing about grace is there's no one good enough that doesn't need it, and there's no one bad enough who doesn't absolutely deserve it
1: absolutely uh-huh. and when you've experienced grace, whether that be through through spiritual or through Relational. Mm-hmm. When you've experienced grace, it's a lot easier to continue experiencing it. It's a lot easier to to give it, as well.
0: Absolutely. Um, so uh, the last thing I want to talk about a little bit is um, just more practical. If someone mm-hmm. is suicidal, because that's the other thing I think people get really nervous if somebody is suicidal like they have no clue what to do yeah. i mean we well, see they're... that a lot even as clinicians like if somebody's suicidal in our office or somebody calls us that's a client and they've been suicidal it's like you feel kind of so far out of your depth mm-hmm. um it, it's kind of sticker shock automatically anyway it's like oh gosh like i didn't think this is going to happen right so one i think we need to realize and look and open our eyes as soci- a so society it's hard to see the realities of the world and have hope, Mm -hmm. but we have to do that dance. We have to look at the world and realize like we are in a tailspin and the average person, right? More than the average person, 54% of us are going to experience someone in our life who commits suicide, Mm -hmm. which means it's going to happen most likely. Mm -hmm. So we should go ahead and be prepared and assuming that people in our life are not okay. Mm -hmm. That the faces that they put on in front of us, that the, the trivial conversations we have, on the water, at the water cooler or at Bible study or at whatever club you're in or gym you're in is telling a very microscopic view of that person's life. And so it's not negative to to assume that they're in a bad spot, but it's helpful to assume, hey, we're all in this like spinning globe of destruction and disaster right now together. So I'm going to be there for you and lean into you and ask you hard questions, Mm -hmm. even though it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I'm going to push just a little bit, not Mm -hmm. too much, but just a little bit. When you say, hey, how's your day going? they're like, oh, great. And it's like, well, is it?
2: Yeah.
0: Right? Is it great? You know, and then for them to be able to, you know, say, well, no, not really. Right. I mean, how many people have you had do that, right? It's like, that's our gut reaction is, I'm great. great. And I'm like, oh, we just had a hurricane. My electricity, I was out for four days. Like, I've had diarrhea for a week. Like, Whatever it is.
1: But also, you don't want to get into your not great because... And this is something else that drives me crazy is that doesn't, how does that compare to other people? Somebody else has it worse. You can't look at that. Um, Somebody said the other day, um, quit complaining about your electricity being out. At least you don't have a tree on your house. Your trauma of your electricity being out is real to you. His trauma of having a tree on his house is real to him. The people in Lake Charles whose house was blown away, their trauma is real to them. That's their experience right now we can't look and worry about comparing um
0: but that's all social media is. but that's
1: all social media is. you're yeah. exactly right
0: we're getting neurologically so, trained to just compare ourselves mm-hmm. constantly which
1: is why a lot of times we refer what we reply with i'm fine especially if the person you're talking to you know that they're going through it my dad died a, a little bit a, little, a couple of weeks ago um i actually had somebody tell me um man i, I i'm not worried about me let me Okay, great. But it helps me let you telling me what's going on in your world. Well,
0: let's just um, both be worried about each other. Let's both right?
1: be worried about each other. Like uh, that
0: happened a lot. We, we had three miscarriages since October this mm-hmm. year or last year. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's the same thing. Like people were pregnant and mm-hmm. I, I saw them, you know, at church and, and they like turned from me yes, and like, didn't say anything to me. And I knew they knew we had the miscarriages. So mm-hmm. they were trying to quote unquote, protect me from like,
1: I didn't know what to do with you for a little bit. Right. I mean, I, if I'm being honest, but I also knew how, know how that feels. Mm-hmm. I also know that I don't want people shying away from me whenever they're have something that they should be happy about, but just because I lost it. Right. Um, and somebody, it's like, no,
0: I'm super excited for you that you're pregnant. That's awesome. That has nothing to do yes. with my pain. Yeah. But, but we have to learn that, right? Mm-hmm. We have to get you to a place to where up. it's like, hey, i got to stop myself, i got to filter through what I'm thinking and my pain and go, it's okay for me to be in pain and have joy for you at the same Absolutely. time. Absolutely,
1: and those things are possible.
0: Yeah, two truths um, can happen at the same time. Somebody
1: told me a story the other day. They, um, a girl actually um, had a baby and it died of SIDS. Um, and somebody else at one point in time, uh, just they got pregnant, they had their baby, and they totally disconnected their relationship mm-hmm. um, because they didn't want to hurt her. And she her response to that was, "You robbed me of being able to live out the memory of my daughter who died um, by not allowing me to celebrate your joy." Oh, absolutely. And I believe that when we get to um, as fact, when we're able to whether you're having a great day, I'm having a bad day, or you're having a horrible month, and I'm having a wonderful month, um, or both of us life is falling apart at the same time. Um, when we can deal with each uh, not, you don't even have, I don't even have to deal with your stuff just talking about it lets me carry it a little bit for you Absolutely. just me talking about it lets you, let, lets you carry my weight a little bit and you really don't even know you're carrying my weight
2: mm-hmm. but
1: you know what's going on in my world um, and when I scroll back through my phone and I see your name I remember I, I, I find a little bit of, of peace knowing man. Clint knows what's going on And we may not talk about it, but then again, you may check in, you may not. I mean, that's fine, but you're bearing that burden um, for each other when you can get beyond the I'm fine or it was a great day. If it was a great day, great. Um, But if it wasn't, we need to start just being honest. And I believe that's one of the very first steps of not getting over here. Absolutely. Is when we can be honest in the small things, when we can be real in the very, very minute yeah, my day completely sucked. Here's what happened. Then we can learn. That begins to change that mind thing that you talked about um, of being able to, okay, if I can be trusted in this situation, if I can trust in this situation, then you know what? Maybe this. you take a little more risk of vulnerability, and then you take a little more risk of vulnerability. And, and then before you know it, you're an open book to this person, and you live in the freedom that comes of there not being any secrets in your life.
0: Absolutely, that's so good. And
1: I tell you, there is freedom when it comes to not hiding anything.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I you... don't
1: mean go put it out there on social media. Absolutely. But with the right people around you, and if you don't have those people, it is very possible to find them. Go change your job. Go to change. Go to church. Go. Ch- go put yourself in a workout group. Don't do jujitsu. He does that stuff. I can't. Um, do jiu-jitsu go put yourself out there and make yourself a, it's the worst feeling in the world when you make yourself vulnerable into a new thing but find a hobby that you are um, that you enjoy that you like and put yourself around like-minded people and I guarantee you relationships will come out of that
0: absolutely I mean change is uncomfortable mm-hmm. you know uh, doing new things is uncomfortable but healing comes through uncomfortableness mm-hmm. Healings. I'm going to break a bone. It heals. It hurts. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, um, Scripture uses sanctification or er, uh, to talk about sanctification. You know, it uses um, pruning, sharpening, and refining. Mm-hmm. And I always say, like, n- none of those things feel good. No. You know, you're cutting things off. You're burning things off, and you're scraping things <laughs> until they're sharper. Like, I wish it was a day at the spa that gets Absolutely. you sanctified and closer to Jesus. But mm-hmm. it's usually painful things and putting yourself out there and being vulnerable with somebody and kind of waiting for the like, you know shoot a drop is scary Mm -hmm. but it is the the answer so let's let's end with you know going through kind of now this is this comes from assist training if you haven't ever had this training it's great um uh i would tell you what it stands for but you can google it um it is for suicide prevention and so the first step, like if somebody's suicidal, so you know, this is all great to talk about it, but what happens if you get in a situation where somebody is actively suicidal, they call you or you call them or you know there's something up and, not, and they say, you know, yeah, I just don't feel like being here right now, or they're giving you all the signs. So the first thing you want to do is you want to do what they say is explore. And I want you to think about as you're going through this with Tiffany and as you've gone through this with other people, right, is you want to explore. Um, what's going on, right? How, how, how much is death a thought process in their mm-hmm. life? Um, is this a death conversation? Is this a suicide conversation? Or is this just, I'm tired, I don't want to be here, and mm-hmm. I want out? Um, are they really deep down in their past, right? In, in what has happened to them, what traumas that they've experienced, what past abuses and things that they suffered? And then lastly, are they alone, right? So that's kind of the first mm-hmm. part of the assessment is you got to explore are they, you know, thinking about suicide is, is this stuff from the past? And then are they by themselves? And so then you want to immediately then ask, are you suicidal? Cause I think one of the issues is like we talked about earlier is using the word suicide, using the word kill yourself is, is super helpful, but saying, are you going to hurt yourself? Isn't
3: hmm.
0: right. And we're scared to say it, but when you say to somebody, are you going to hurt yourself? You think about hurting yourself? They're like, nope. It ain't gonna hurt one bit right. for me to take these fifty pills and go to sleep. Sure. I'm not gonna feel a thing. They have this Great cognitive point. thing where they can lie to themselves and lie to you, and you're not bringing it in the room. You're also showing them that you're scared. Mm-hmm. So we want to come in confident, even if you're scared to death. And I've been in the situation, and in the back of my head, I'm nervous as a you know cat. But at the end of the day, I'm like, you got to present yourself as ready, which is why knowing these things and practicing it and and being prepared in a world where 54% of us are gonna to have to deal with it is probably pretty smart. Mm-hmm. Um, so ask, are you suicidal? The next thing, which is really uncomfortable for people but is the best thing you can do, and I'm a nerd out and explain why it is, is to listen and understand, right? So you ask them, they're, they're down in the dumps. And what we do, so, and we'll hear this on a lot of my podcasts, is talk about how the brain works. So the, the right brain is emotions, is feelings, is irrational thinking. The left brain is logic, black and white thinking. What we tend to do in these moments, right, is we walk in, somebody's suicidal and they're telling you all these things that are not true. I'm unloved, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, my job's going to end, my divorce is going to end, I'm a terrible father, whatever it is, right? And our first instinct is to do what? Tell them...
1: Tell them they're not.
0: Yeah, they're you like, convince, You try yeah, to I'm convince gonna, them they're not. I'm going to tell you, no, you're a great dad, no, this job's going to be fine, you're going to be fine, and what that does is, is that speaks to their left brain, which is turned off, mm-hmm. and it jacks their right brain up times 10 and so you want to be able to talk to that right brain and validate listen say oh man tell me more about that because if you're on the phone with them if you're in their presence right if they're not alone anymore they, they're not killing themselves actively right so if we're sitting on the couch and you say you're suicidal and there's no gun in your hand you know there's no pill that you just swallowed you have time and I think people get kind of freaked out because they feel like they are they have this, like, limited time to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is, like, as long as no one's actively killing themselves on the edge of a bridge, whatever, you know, you've got some time. And even on the edge of a bridge, you've got some time because mm-hmm. they haven't jumped for a reason. Mm-hmm. If you're sitting with a person and they're not dead, they want to be alive. Mm-hmm. So they want you to talk them into it, but they don't want you to invalidate them and trigger them and and, and tell them stuff that they... That you're going to talk them into like we said earlier yeah. so you want to validate, you want to say wow I can see based on the pain you're in, by, based on what your dad did, based on what you did, how you'd want to kill yourself, right. I can see that if I were you I'd feel the same way and you want to spend some time listening and understanding and helping them feel feel heard and known and supported and that's going to calm their right brain down, right? that's going to calm that that right irrational everything is gone all or nothing thinking it's going to calm them down a little bit And then you can start to connect, right? Then you can start to use logic. And what you want to do is what they call like the lifeline and the grounding. You want to bring them to the present. You want to bring them to things in their life like, hey, our relationship, man, like I'm here for you because I love you and care about you. So I know you, I can see why you would feel like that's not the case and it's not enough. But factually, I'm here right right now and I'll be with you moving Mm -hmm. forward. And we're going to figure this out together. And I'm at your rock
1: bottom. I mean, you're, you're you're ugly.
0: Absolutely. This this is ugly. It's messy. And
1: I'm, I love you.
0: Yeah. And so, so you do the lifeline, you get in the present, you bring them back to the present because most people's crisis, right. Um, is in the past or the future. Mm -hmm. Right. But when you're in the present, you're, you're grounded. You can deal with things a lot, a lot better. So one of those ways is getting them to name five things in the room. Mm -hmm. Another way is to get them to use all five of their senses. Um, I put a video out about that last week when Katrina was happening. I was super triggered that morning. Mm-hmm. And so I just had to go around my, my bedroom and like name some stuff, sit down and fill the sheets, smell the air, drink some coffee, like get me in the present instead of back in my Katrina memories. And instead of what's this hurricane going to do? Right. I had to bring myself to right now. I'm in control of now. Happiness is found now. Joy is found now. Peace is found now. It's not found in the past, it's not found in the present. So then if you can get them disconnected from that, and you see that they're engaging, you wanna make, that's when that's the point of like making a safety plan, right? You wanna move into, okay, we've had all these conversations, we validated you, we've made you feel safe and secure, we've grounded you, you've, you've told me that you don't wanna do it, and that you're, you know, that you see some positivity, you see some things going on. So now, who's your safest person, right? Who can we have, if not me, who can you have in your life that's gonna be with you for the next 48 to 72 hours, which is about the window that we wanna have for people um, to make sure that they're, they're not committing suicide after. Um, and then obviously you wanna make sure that you know, they have whatever the plan was. So one thing about suicide is, is if a person just says I don't wanna be here anymore, you can, you're okay, right? It's not super risky. You, you wanna talk about it, you wanna do all these same steps, but you don't have to be as crisis driven. But if they're there and they have a bottle of their dad's pills or they have a shotgun and they're like, hey, I'm going to get my dad's car, I'm going to drive it off this bridge, then we have to get rid of those circumstances. Mm-hmm. Typically, they won't go find another one. Right. It took a lot, it takes a lot of energy. I've heard a lot of people say like, man, it took me so much energy to hang myself or it took so much energy for me to finally get to that bridge or that, you know, whatever it was, mm-hmm. when it all got taken away, it just, I didn't have the energy left to come up with another plan, right. another circumstance. Um And so we have to take away whatever it is uh, that we have from them, right? Whether it's a knife or Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, And then lastly, we have to have a follow-up plan. So a follow-up care plan. We have to make sure that we show them, hey, you got somebody here. And then a couple of days, each day, I'm going to text you. I'm going to call you. I'm going to come engage. I'm going to bring you some food. I'm going to spend the next week showing you that it's not just I was there in the moment. I just did that because I felt bad or because of whatever, you know, narcissistic Mm -hmm. reason on my end. I actually am concerned and want to keep going and, and and keep walking this out with you. I'm going to get you to the therapist. Say I'll go, go with you to that first session if you don't want to go. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll pay for the first session. Mm-hmm. I'm going to meet with your pastor. I'm going to meet with your, you know. I'm
1: going to go with you to see the first sergeant. Absolutely. I'm going to go with your mental health. I'm going to go with you to those. I can't go in their room, but I'm going to sit outside and wait on you. Um, I'm going to be there waiting on you after it's all said and done. Um, when do you When do you believe that um, the plan rec- calls for hospitalization because a lot of people jump from suicide to, okay, let's go to the hospital. Let's get you to the hospital. And it's because they don't know these steps. Right. And it's because they don't understand that. Okay. This is not a time to panic. Mm-hmm. And because of our love for people that we have, when they tell us that they are thinking these things, we don't want them to feel these ways. We want to save their life that's the only way I know how to do it.
0: Well, I think that's a key point is we, uh, we want to take away people's pain and that's Mm -hmm. impossible. Mm -hmm. And so I think when we hurt for other people, whether suicide or grief, I mean, grief is the worst, right? People always saying like, oh, well, they're in a better place or, you know, people are uncomfortable because we don't know these things right that's par- part of the the issue while we do, while we're doing the podcast is that as an average person we don't know these things mm-hmm. so we have a lot of disbeliefs and issues and in crisis we're like these are all crisis things grief suicide depression anxiety mm-hmm. they don't have to be a crisis though right? right and so i would say uh to answer your question when do you when do you hospitalize somebody well if they're first of all we have to have a world where we're doing all the things that we talked about. They right. have to be somebody who's connected True. to you, True. who's intimate with you and, or you're not going to know. Mm-hmm. But if they're close to you and intimate to you and they're in relationship with you and there's trust, then you play that out together. You, you make sure there's not a plan, you kill the plan, you get another plan. And if they're saying, okay, I'm not going to kill myself. I feel much better. You know, this was great. Then you don't, hospitalize them. Okay. But a person who's suicidal, when you've done all those things, it's going to be like, yeah, i don't I'm still gonna do it, oh. or I'm still out of my mind, what? I hear you, but I don't believe anything you're saying, please don't leave me or I'm not saying anything. I'm just mute sitting here, mm-hmm. and I'm giving you no information
3: mm-hmm.
0: and that's when you're like, "Okay, listen, you're not giving me any information, you're not saying yay or nay, you're not you're not, telling not meeting me. me there, yeah, you're not you're not helping. so my only option is to 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 call somebody mm-hmm. and they usually just sit there because mm-hmm. they want you to. Mm-hmm. Right? They want you to call somebody. They're just not going to say yes or no. Yeah. So yeah, I would say the only reason you wouldn't call somebody is if um they don't have a plan at all. You know, they're they're calm down, they're giving you good feedback. Right. Now, could somebody lie directly to your face? Absolutely. But you're never going to be be able to save somebody that, that that's in that situation. True. Sure. And you still should have somebody around them for 48 to 72 hours for those reasons. Mm-hmm. Right? You should have somebody who can check in. Uh also, you know, like I said if it's a kid if it's a teenager you want to make sure you you know get some good supervision sleep on the floor in their room mm-hmm. sleep with them in the bed you know take their shoelaces take whatever it is that if right. they're that suicidal again if they're at that point where you're still worried about it that much you should probably take them to your local hospital right. ER Brentwood whatever now about that that's still as a culture just treating symptoms absolutely right so um if you bring somebody to your local ER, they're going to give them medication, they're going to supervise them for seventy-two hours, and then they're going to send them home. And that still doesn't solve the problem. That just treats the symptom. And so, you know, part of this is you know this conversation is for people to understand what the root causes are of these things. And, and like we said, it's unresolved trauma, it's a lack of support, it's a whole culture of a lack of vulnerability. And so, we have to change those things so that when people are in these situations. It, it, they can' survive it because yeah. these these treatments obviously aren't working right they help put a band on a bullet hole, but they don't really mm-hmm. fix the root cause right. which is our culture and as Cassie and I talked in the first podcast, culture is made up of us mm-hmm. we add and subtract votes and give and you know cast dies to those things we say we're okay with this because we're allowing it right. I mean even i mean that's why you do what you do mm-hmm. we as a culture are allowing by our enabling our lack of responsibility our own personal insecurities 22 people a day killing themselves because we're all part of this that doesn't say it's your fault right but it says can you think internally today right now as you're listening what are some things in my life that i'm attributing to the whole that i'm giving to the problem am i being vulnerable am i in therapy am i working on my stuff am i being the healthiest version of myself possible am I a friend who asks my friends hard questions? Am I a friend who is in Bible study for six months with somebody and I still don't know if their husband and them fight? Right. I still don't know what they like or dislike about their mm-hmm. kids. I still don't know anything because I haven't risked enough to be involved because I don't want to lose. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to fail. I don't want to put myself in a situation. So it's better for me just to be superficial I can leave when I want to, I can go when I want to, mm-hmm. I can disengage when I want to, they don't care, I don't care, we're all good. Mm-hmm. But then we call that friendship. Yeah. And then we say, oh, well, I didn't see it coming. It's like, well, you didn't see it coming because there were a lot of things that you had blinders on to seeing it. Mm-hmm. Again, that doesn't make it anybody's fault. Right. But that means there are things that are going on that if we take a good assessment of ourselves, instead of worrying about everybody else, that we that's the only thing we can do yeah. right that's the only thing anybody listening to this can do is is take an assessment of themselves and gauge where am i at with where this I, mm-hmm. if i'm not suicidal how am i aware of suicide right. how am i getting comfortable learning about it can i pick up a book can i can i read some things can i go to a website and figure can some tell, things out
1: can i tell my story can i talk oh, about it can
0: i absolutely
1: yeah that's one thing i believe is huge is telling your own story yeah, for sure. And, and that's I, how one one way we're going to kill the stigma.
0: Absolutely. And I appreciate you okay. telling yours today and being vulnerable and it's a lot to put yourself out there because your assumption, right, is like there's going to be some yahoo out there who's like, "Oh my gosh, what an idiot. you can't believe blah blah blah." Yeah. But that's that's few and far between and if they're right. that type of person, they're super unhealthy in the first place.
1: Right. You're right. exactly right.
0: So yeah, so that's What's that's on? assist. That's the uh that's the how to do it. So I hope that's helpful for people. Uh, To learn more about warning signs, go to AFSP.org slash signs. Um, You can go to your member portal and find a member uh, mental health professional. Obviously, Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness Mm -hmm. is here in Treeport and Bosier and Ruston. So if you need somebody in your area who is trauma trained, addiction trained, family systems trained, you have some great counselors there, Uh, be sure to look on Psychology Today in your area, and you can find some good therapists you know, look for somebody who has some trauma in their background, who does something like EMDR, who, who can get to the deeper-rooted issues than just kind of the typical therapist uh, if you're really struggling with suicide um, or with other things. Uh, there's 24-hour support with Aetna members, a um, employee-assisted program. Um, then the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255, um, or you can text TALK, T-A-L-K, to 741-741 um, and there's a trained crisis counselor that can do that and then obviously and that's 24-7 um, and then 911 obviously is an emergency that number that anybody can call um,
1: and on that in a military culture you have the veterans crisis line um, and then you have your resources that are readily available to you inside of whatever branch or installation you're stationed at um, so find somebody that you can go with. Go talk to your first sergeant, go talk to um, someone at mental health, go uh, fight for yourself and you have to use those resources. If you need external resources, come to us. Uh, if you want to talk to somebody outside of the um, walls of the base, um, come talk to us, go talk to your chaplain on base. They are 100% confidential. Um, go talk to your chaplain um, and they do not have to It doesn't even have to be a religious conversation. So maybe you're listening to this and you're not religious at all. Go talk to your chaplain. Um, You can, Um, uh, but also you can come talk to us. We're going to make sure that you have followed the protocols inside of the uh, military. And we're gonna make sure that there are places that if need be, if your shirt needs to know what's going on, we'll help work with that. Um, If we believe that you need to go see mental health, we're gonna help you do that. Um, If we need to refer you here, we can do that. We pay for the first three visits of that. Um, And so that's stuff that you don't need to worry about. And you have no, those excuses of um, what are people going to think? I don't have the resources or all that. Um, Don't, don't, don't fall victim to those things. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Know that what we're going to think is is that you're a human being who Absolutely. has gone through something difficult and you've gotten to the point where you need help and everybody mm-hmm. here at least in my practice and when with uh, every warrior is knows that and has been there ourselves personally and is not going to look at you with judgment and no. and say, "Oh, you're not worthy because you should have done this or you should have done that or you should have had enough faith or I saw a I don't I can't remember if it was a tweet or whatever it was, but somebody had shared it with me and it said uh you know, I've been really struggling with depression and anxiety and fear lately and went to Bible study and everybody said, well, just read your Bible more because God says you shouldn't have any fear. And he's like, and I'm cured. Right. And, uh, you know, it's just sarcastic. But the, the other thing I'd remember, remind people as Christians out there mm-hmm. um, who are in the military and not is that, you know, it's not a faith issue. Absolutely. I mean, it, some of it is chemistry and not character. Some of it, it might be a faith issue, but it's not 100% one or the other. And digging into it and figuring out what you know, asking why and figuring out why it is that I'm I'm having these struggles and having depression, having anxiety, where is this coming from is the work that keeps us from getting mm-hmm. to a suicidal place and taking our yeah. own life, keeps those around us from getting to a place. And so a lot of suicide, right, is is like we said, prevention, prevention, even though you don't want to call it that.
1: It is, but it's prevention at a level that's like up here in the relational aspect of where you never get there.
0: Absolutely. But if you
1: find yourself there, or if you find yourself with a your friend that's there, obviously, take advantage of these resources.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, what Instagram, Facebook? What's your Facebook
1: at every or at Every Network, um, EveryWarrior.org. Um, that's our website, um, and then Instagram and Facebook both is at Every Network
0: awesome so, and I know this weekend um, you, you guys are uh, a part of we're a
1: part of the Rock Rally for Hope actually yeah. some of the donations are going to go towards that um, towards our cause um, so we're grateful for that opportunity so if you want to hang out and check it, check that out this weekend go, go out there check out rockrallyforhope.com absolutely and, yeah. give um, some
0: money to Every Warrior Network guys if you uh, want to donate I can say that Yeah.
1: Um, if you want to donate towards our cause you can go to everywarrior.org slash give um, and there's actually a, um, a line item that we have as a fund um, on that giving thing. There's three of them, but one of those is counseling um, or warrior care. Either one of those go directly to making sure our warriors are cared for. Um, counseling goes directly towards our partnership of making sure that um, the first three visits of any warrior that we refer here um, gets taken care of.
0: That's awesome, man. I appreciate you coming in and talking about it. I know a heavy comments. topic and, you know, being vulnerable and, and sharing that. I hope that, Uh, somebody out there get something out of it Uh, again asking why podcast thanks for listening make sure you um, subscribe Uh, like our page com is our website if you need a therapist within Shreveport, Bossier, uh, Ruston, hopefully Houghton soon um, and Benton so we're we're looking to expand a couple other locations Um, making our way down to Pineville, Alexandria at some point Um, just trying to get this message out that people can you know, be Christian, can be non-Christian, can get therapy, can figure out like the root causes of these issues and um, really get some help that they need in a safe place. So thank you guys. God bless you. Have a good week.